Titus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the Helming Power Hour. <laughs> Welcome back to episode 34 of the Hell Ming Power Hour, where the reviews are fake, the synopsis are fake, the ratings don't mean squat, but the movies are real. <laughs> the movies are real, and the reason we bring them up is because they're so real, you got to take note. Sit down, watch them again. Right. And, and if uh, you never watched them, then start watching them now, because there's a reason we brought them up here, people. <laughs> and if you're new to the show... Uh, to let you know if we're not telling the truth or not, you get a little bit of this. Hail Ming. Brian Blessed to let you know if we're lying or not. But we are the only podcast that has a time machine. We are. I mean, because they're, they're you know, cost uh, ineffective for most podcasts. Right. But we make all of our money from our, our sponsors. Oh, no, I don't have sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any. Uh, so, so people uh, spread the word. We are in need of new sponsors. Uh, <laughs> All of our other sponsors have uh, mysteriously pulled out. I'm not sure what. Uh, it ain't that kind of show, man. <laughs> yeah. I said mysteriously. Let me look. I'm, I'm trying to see if I've got any sponsors. We don't have any sponsors. That's the point. We're out of sponsors. So call your, your local plumbers. Uh, you know, the uh, call, call Phil McCracken. See if you can get him to come back. Esmeralda's Fortune Shack, which was one of our was one of our big uh, providers, that she she's decided she no longer wants to go this route. I'm not sure what we're I, doing. I'm wrong. wrong. We do have a sponsor. I do have a sponsor. It's it's uh, oh. so our sponsor of this show is Super Soft Ice, where their motto is "We're often licked, <laughs> we're often licked, but never beaten." Oh, <laughs> that that's gold. <laughs> Also from BZ's Pools and Decks, where we make your wet dreams come true. <laughs> uh. Yeah, folks, uh, glad to have you with us. We're going to have a good time with this show. We're going to visit the 1985 classic, in my eyes, House. Uh, not to be oh, confused, class. yeah, not to be confused with the 1977 Japanese movie Hazu or House. This one is is a lot of fun. Really enjoyed revisiting it. So I can't wait to dive into it. Yeah, I, I agree. It's it, it's a unique movie, and and rewatching it made me realize that. I mean, I think I haven't said this in a while. I used to say it a lot. This falls into the category of movies that they would not make today. It sure. would never be made. The, the way it was, it's it's a comedy horror movie. It, the the plot is in your face, but it's still kind of nuanced. 
you know, it, it tells the story. Anyway, we'll get into that. But but yeah, House House is a strange movie, and it would not be made today. And right. you can still watch it. And speaking of strange, we've got a special guest, also special guest in the house. It's right there on the marquee. <laughs> One of our good buddies, Mr. Mark Allison, is going to be joining us. You've heard him a lot on the show, so we're happy to have him on the show. Folks, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back after this. <laughs> Club Maroney. You and your ice holes can gamble. Just don't try no farkin' tricks. And loyal subjects of Mongo like you. Hail Ming! From the makers of Billy Bass comes the newest way to get your money. It's Sammy Swordfish. Ooh-wee. Ooh-wee, baby. Ooh-wee. Ooh-wee, baby, won't you let me take you on a sea cruise? Sammy sings all the hits, like... Under the sea, under the sea, darling, it's better, down where it's wetter, take it from me. That's Sammy Swordfish. Get yours today by calling 1-800-BIG-FISH. Enjoy hours of great tunes like this classic. I'd like to be under the sea. In an octopus's garden in the shade. That's Sammy Swordfish from the Bakers of Billy Bass. Get yours today by calling 1-800-BIG-FISH. That's 1-800-BIG-FISH. All major credit cards accepted. Cash, COD, traveler's check, rolls of pennies. We'll take it all. That's Sammy Swordfish from Whammo. Sailing takes me away to where I want to be. Sammy Swordfish from the Bakers of Billy Bass are proud sponsors of the Helming Power Hour. And we're back. <laughs> uh, for you that don't know, that's from the Kentucky Fried movie. Uh, uh, a buddy that, that listens to the show, Rob, was was telling us that how much he loved that movie, and he just suggested we use that clip. And I was like, oh, yeah, we got to use that. So kudos, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. Yeah. So here we are. House. 1985. So this is going to be interesting because, like we said, in the Hell Ming studio, we have a special guest with us today. You guys have heard him on the show doing a lot of skits. He always does the Hell Ming is brought to you by commercials. So it's our good friend. We've known him for, I've known him as long as I've known Danny. So we, we've, the three of us have kind of, this is kind of our brainchild actually is this show. So it's super awesome to have our buddy Mark Allison in the show. Hey, what's up, Mark? Hey, hey, hey. It's great to be here on the Bismarck Key because you got what I need. <laughs> <laughs> You see, it comes naturally, people. <laughs> I want to give a say first off, seriously, it is great to be here on the show with you guys. Uh, not only uh, am I huge fans of both of you, but you're both my friends, and I just love this everything that you're doing here. Oh. This is wonderful. <laughs> so sweet. <laughs> so on on many shows, you know, they ask, "Hey, what have you been doing lately?" But we don't care about that. So we're going to talk about house. <laughs> That's what I've been doing lately is watching House. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, we're like, uh, so So a little backstory on this. Uh, 
my computer went kaput and I asked Mark if I could come over and record at his place. He graciously uh, said, all right. And I said, you know, we've been looking for an opportunity to get you on the show. Do you want to be on the show? You'd have to watch House and you have to watch, you know, I gave him like four movies he has to watch. So, you know, I think in two days time, he has, he has marathoned several movies to talk with us about. And, and we appreciate the efforts there. Sitting down and watching movies is not easy. So I was just going to say, I haven't gotten much sleep there, so this will be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the movies being Black Belt Jones, that always puts you in the right mood. So, <laughs> Well, that one perked me up right away. I love sure. Black Belt Jones. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you got to so, watch it first. <laughs> so this is going to be fun because we've built the time machine for two people. I, I don't know if we can get three in here, but we're going to try. Danny said he was going to strap me to the hood. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> no, no, you're sitting in my lap, buddy. <laughs> All right, so here we go. We're going to jump in the time machine. Everybody strap yourselves down. Oh, All right, yeah, here it goes. Uh, Hold on, Mark. Don't be scared. I'm not sure about this. Yeah, we never are either. Oh, here we go. Oh! Ow. That's my arm. Did the chicken? Did the chicken just ran out of the? Oh, that's okay. <laughs> oh, 1985. Just like we left it. Uh, man, I, I feel I feel like I need to be wearing high tops. I am, man. I'm wearing some ponies, man. You mean you're not? <laughs> no, no. See, I, I think I might be the uh, the sore thumb that, that gets us caught. Of course, the giant uh, time machine behind us that has the time chicken that just ran out of it. <laughs> that, that might get us caught, but. Well, we'll just have to to hope that these people are too engrossed in their 80s things to to pay attention. Absolutely. You got to watch that time chicken, man, I tell you. <laughs> time chicken is dangerous, man. <laughs> I'm wondering how we get back. Do, do we get a new chicken? Cuz he seemed intrinsic to the to the properties of the time machine. Yeah. Well, we'll worry about that on the return. <laughs> hey, right. you know, worst case scenario, we're stuck in the 80s. But well, I'm with you. <laughs> All right, man. So to to get us into the movie house, we have to have a synopsis, and this synopsis is from some guy. They, they just call him the shy guy. Um. Uh, hi. This is um. I'm I'm shy guy, and um. I I'm gonna read. Synopsis for movie. <laughs> I, I I like this movie. <laughs> I uh, uh, this this guy uh, uh, and this girl and and then some stuff happens and. <laughs> And they, they got got kind of stuff to do, and there's a funny scene. <laughs> uh, it's um, it's a good movie. You should see it.
I don't know about you guys, but I think we need to get Shy Guy and David Lee Roth together. I was going to say, was that David Lee Roth, everybody? <laughs> Bozy Bozy Bop! <laughs> yeah, I think David promised Shy Guy a bit on the show, and so that's why that happened. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, everybody gets a turn. That's right. But you might not get a second turn. <laughs> <laughs> All, right, so- <laughs> All right, so let's dive into this, man. House. So, to me, this is just off the cuff. If if why would you watch this movie? If you like Poltergeist, if you like Evil Dead Two, you gotta love House because really it did stuff that Evil Dead Two did a little later on. So this movie was a little ahead of the curve as far as that, but it's really got the Poltergeist feel of going through the closet and all that stuff. I think this movie is fantastic. Story by Fred Decker, which is already already gets you points right there. The great Sean Cunningham Production Company put this together. Your Friday the Thirteenth guy. So. uh Fun stuff. So I'm gonna just turn it loose, Danny. Why do we watch House? Well, you know, I've got I've got reasons to watch House. My top reason, uh, and I, it may it may step on y'all's toes because you might have thought the same thing. My main reason for watching House is George Went. Yeah, if George Great. Went plays plays the neighbor. You know, you might remember him as Norm from Cheers, or if you're older, you might remember him as Norm from Cheers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> George George Went. He's just such a deadpan, likable guy. And in this movie, he's just, he's kind of a nosy neighbor and he's kind of a friendly neighbor. And uh, because of the situation, he, he adds a lot of comedy gold to the yeah, whole plot. Absolutely. I, I mean, it's just perfect casting for this. I mean, you've got your seriousness with William Cat going on, but George just drives it home, man. And, uh, yeah, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it as we as we go as far as some things that happen in the movie. But, yeah, he makes it, man. What about you, Mark? Give me a reason. I just got to say on George Went real quick, the, he has a great reason to watch the movie because he's the everyman that right. is in this fantastical situation. And everybody else is like, you can't really relate to. They're, they're famous writers, famous actors. They're ghosts. They're psychics or whatever. Uh, George Wood is just the average everyday guy who and he reacts like the average everyday guy that Absolutely. gets caught up in a ghost story <laughs> I, I, his reactions are great yeah. like he's like hey so if you get a picture of that ghost uh, you show it to me i haven't seen one since i was a kid <laughs> it's, it's like, he, he's just he's not really judgy he's just kind of like well this guy's a little off his rocker but he went to nam what are you gonna do <laughs> but i have to say there is another everyman you know there's 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 bull from night court oh All right he's kind of an everyman he's, he's normal Regular, nothing real special about it. <laughs> okay, uh, my top reason to watch, and uh, I have it is it's a ghost story that's smarter than it looks. Because right. if you're if you just you sit, I remember sitting down watching this when I was a kid. And I'm like, oh, this is a crazy, off the wall, crazy movie. Uh, and going back and rewatching it now as an adult. I'm amazed how much thought actually went into this movie. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's some serious um, content in it that you don't expect. Yeah, I, I have it written here. It's about a horror writer who doesn't want to be a horror writer that gets caught up in a real-life horror story. Right. First off, they didn't really do a lot of ghost movies at this time. Right. Um, they, and I can I can understand if you are got a, a scary kind of action-based movie, you want a physical entity that you can defeat. Uh, with ghost stories, it's like you're being haunted, and it's 
it's not something you can reach out and say stop there it's you have to figure out a way to stop it right and uh, what's great is most uh, a lot of ghost stories they the ghosts just kind of jump out of nowhere at a random time and say boo and everyone gets scared in this story the roger the main character he gets haunted not just at the point of the story we're at it has been building for 10 years because of his survivor's guilt from his right. time in the Vietnam War. Absolutely. And, and that slowly builds up to where the main antagonist is trying to haunt a Roger and he winds up haunting the house he grew up in because that's the only way he could get to him. You don't expect that much thought to go into such a crazy swordfish shooting movie. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that drops back down to what I was saying about Fred Decker writing the story. I mean, that that's a huge part of that because he's a, a pretty good writer. Because if it was Sean Cunningham, I mean, look, you know, look at what, and I'm not dissing Sean by any means, but hey, we'll make a movie about a guy with a mask killing kids. I mean, that's the thought process. So this is kind of a surprise when you see Sean Cunningham's name and you get, just like what Mark said, all this story that's involved. Good, good stuff, man. So my number one reason is the book signing. Because <laughs> it's someone had because because it's some it's just like Yankee Rose by David Lee Roth, and we quote it all the time. But the people are the cameras right up in their face. They're like, "Hey, I carry two of them, two of them in case there's any conversation. I don't have to be involved." And it's all like right in your face. Give me a glazed donut, a jelly donut, and a bottle of anything to go. So it's yeah. it's got that kind of feel that. to it. Yeah. The, the very first note I have, because obviously it's at the beginning of the movie, uh, is, is, you know, it starts like an episode of Tales from the Crypt, you know, and, and like a book signing with the walleye lens, you know. Right. And all the weirdos in the line are like, hey, can you sign mine to Beaker? You know, like, <laughs> it's just got, and they all have a little line that they're that they're delivering. And it's it's almost 90s, right. you know, the, the way that it's all in your face, like, like an episode of Parker Lewis Can't Lose or something. Um, so yeah, I, I got that too. I, I can't agree more. And that's kind of part of it. It's a horror comedy, right? Right. So they were really heavy on the comedy at some points, and and it it kind of fits well. It works. All right, Danny, you're up. All right, my next reason to watch this movie is the realtor almost kills him with a harpoon gun. Right. <laughs> I mean, like inches away. <laughs> like, like they're talking about the house. They're walking room to room. Hey, I grew up here. Oh, that, that's kind of neat. And he's got the harpoon gun, and you see it coming. He's got a harpoon gun. He's swinging it around. And maybe it's because I saw it as a kid, and when I watched it again, I was like, oh, I think he's going to shoot him with that harpoon gun. And like then he shoots him, and it, it, you know, like you said, it's like two inches away. And he kind of looks at it. And the guy's like, oh, well. Anyway, like the guy doesn't apologize or anything, nope. and, and it kind of falls uh, again into that whole like walleye lens interviewer thing, where everybody's in there just to be a goof nut, and and the realtor's worse than a bunch of them. It's like he didn't really care because he's going to sell the house. He didn't think the he didn't think that um that William Cat, you know that that uh that he was going to want to live there. So he was really just kind of walking him through it, figuring now we're going to clear it out, and then I'm going to make some money. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm going to shot him with a harpoon gun. Yeah, that's nuts, man. What you got, Mark? Um, my next reason has to be Big Ben. Yes, <laughs> Big Ben is the um, he's the the main 
bad guy in it, uh, played by Richard Mole, who is just awesome. You yep. Uh, probably remember Richard Mole as uh, Bull from Night Court. Uh, I remember him as Zusa on Sword and the Sorcerer. So, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's another one covered here on Hail Ming. And uh, I, of course, will always remember him as Slan Quince on the first episode of Highlander the series. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Way to go, Richard. <laughs> Matthew Tangent. And I, I remember him as a rerun on uh, What's Happening. Hail Ming. <laughs> <laughs> I remember him from reruns of Night Court. <laughs> what I love about the character of Big Ben is he's a um, he's a soldier. He was a friend of uh, Rogers in Vietnam, and uh, he's one of the reasons Rogers carrying all this guilt and fear with him all these years. But what's unique about this character is he's mad at Roger and haunting him not because Roger caused his death, but because Roger would not kill him. Right. Which was just so unique. He um, <laughs> <laughs> he gets wounded. He's um, and he's about to be captured by the enemy. And he's begging Roger, "Kill me, kill me, put me out of my misery." And he just can't do it. Yeah. And when he shows up again at the end, and he looks awesome. He's this rotting skeleton in this army uniform carrying yeah. an M60. He still looks yeah, he's great. Got a cool mask. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and the effects, just practical effects on that, just look awesome. I agree. Um, and he. Um, he comes out and he just flat out tells him, I, I hate you because they tortured me for weeks and would not let me die. And you had the chance to stop this. And I just thought that was such a unique spin on on the whole ghost story aspect yeah. there. Well, you know, and, and while we're at it, you know, I'm not going to it might have been one of my reasons, but I'm just going to add it as part of this. The Vietnam flashback sequences in general, you know, they're they're so hokey. Yeah. Like it, it's like Vietnam movies were the thing, right? You know, and they were they were about they were either about to blow up or they had just had blown up when Platoon came out. Platoon, right? yeah, all that stuff. So, but but like it was like, well, we're making this ghost movie and it's going to have a, a Vietnam element. How many sound stages can we make into jungle? You know, what what kind of stock jungle noises can we find here in the archive? Because it's like you know and there's like big ferns and, and big jungle leaves and stuff and you're like hey, you know it, it takes you into kind of an episode of Tales from the Dark Side or something right where, where like you know the flashback to Nam is like oh and here we are in quote unquote Nam yeah. you know like you can tell it's a stage and, set so <laughs> and, and again it doesn't matter because right. you're watching a ghost story movie and, and, and like it does what it needs to do, but it doesn't go into the the uh, maybe the the authenticity that you'd find in a movie today because they'd spend you know a zoo million dollars, uh, right. you know, going on location to New Zealand to make it look like Vietnam, and to film these few scenes that are pivotal but not really important. Right. Where that entire jungle would become CGI. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you'd, you'd have to have somebody have his arm blow off just so you can you know yeah. you could digitally have that happen. Yeah. <laughs> All right, my next reason is William Cat seems to have a never-ending supply of sweaters. I don't know if you guys watch this or not, but it's like he's pulled out some kind of new fashionable sweater that he's wearing. It's just like, man, do you not have a T-shirt? I mean... <laughs> I actually had a list here of honorable mentions I wanted to get to, and on that list is Super V-neck sweater. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now the one that goes down to his belly button. Right. <laughs> by the way, I've got these pecs. If you haven't noticed, Grace yeah. Nero here. It's like oh. something Beyonce would wear now. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's, or like a very 
laid back, comfortable pimp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I just going to put on my sweater. <laughs> I don't know that people really wore those. Maybe they did. I don't know. He just, it just, every time know. he turned around, it was a different style of sweater. And I was just like, this is kind of odd. So, and another thing too, I wanted to bring out is when he's talking to his wife, ex wife, whatever the deal is, and she's at the award show. And she's on the phone. You got that dude knucking up to her, just trying to get a picture made with her and stuff. So she's on the phone having a serious conversation. He's like putting his arm around her while the dude's snapping pictures. I just found that hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and like I think it, I think it, it served to show that just because she dumped him and he was trying to like make it seem like it didn't matter, I think it pointed out that she was. It was kind of a way to point out that she wasn't a Hollywood vapid you right. know, model type. Right. You no, know, she. Th- there were people like that around her, but she really was concerned about him. To to kind of show you that that she wasn't bad just because she was an actress. And yeah, but know. it's all about that dude though, because he's like, hey, yeah, <laughs> get a picture, man. <laughs> Check She's it on out. A payphone. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like he can pretend that he doesn't notice she's on the phone because he's like right there. It's like, yeah, well, honey, I'll be there. And he's, you're right. He's he's. He's kind of as funny as that guy from The Howling, who's the anchor, who's right, right, who's reading his lines in the in, <laughs> in the mirror, just yeah. kind of a kind of a jerk who comes out of left field for a scene. I gotta say, on that scene though, uh, there was a a moment that I was not expecting it to be as good as it was because, like I was saying, they're when they're talking to each other, you get the feel for their relationship, and they don't just come out and outright say it, but through their acting. You get the feeling that this is a couple that wants to be together, sure, but realizes they cannot, and that's a very hard thing to convey without, you know, exposition. Right, because they can't, they haven't told you why yet. Right. But so, when they do, it makes a lot of sense right. because they've already kind of laid the groundwork. So we're just, it's a better movie. We're all agreeing that Sean Cunningham is a genius. Helming. <laughs> Sean Cunningham is he like somebody I should know? He's the younger brother on Happy Days. Okay. Helming. <laughs> <laughs> A.K.A. Chachi. Yeah, he's the one that went up the stairs and never came back down again. <laughs> uh, all right, Danny, it's all yours. All right, um, near the beginning of the movie, in a frame of about a minute, you get a freezer full of TV dinners, a mention of Vietnam, a computer that that's like, you know, a great big green box, um, a book of phone numbers, and... No one today will understand what the hell's going on in his apartment, <laughs> which might be the apartment from Ninja Three. <laughs> right, you're just missing the uh, the console game standing up over in the corner, you know. Because yeah, I was I was watching, I'm like, this is like an '80s time capsule that he's that he's like living True. in here. Yeah, you know that would explain the floating sword in the closet too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he opens it up and it floats around, and it's not like go back to your house, your aunt is dead. Except it's a floating pair of shears. <laughs> Except it's the box with the greatest American hero uniform. <laughs> yes, yes. Like, what what's this? I'm I'm writing about Vietnam in this in this alien space superhero outfit comes out of my closet. And they wonder how we lost that war. Well they lost the instructions. Well I mean it was over. If you had, had it at the time. Yeah. It wasn't in the book. Alright what you got Mark? I'm gonna say all supernatural threats in this movie. That's... Every single one of them is great. Wow. I actually listed them individually, so. <laughs> I, I figured I'd be here forever if I listed them individually. <laughs> but, uh, uh, we got Ben, of course, who we went over earlier. Uh, 
the uh, and all of these draw from other horror movies that you've seen. They've got uh, Night of the Living Dead, Evil Dead, right. uh, like the uh, the big purple witch troll thing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was just awesome. His, uh, was it his wife that came in at that point, or was yes. it a neighbor girl? It was, it was his wife. His wife comes in, and she's concerned, and he drops something, and she ducks down behind the table, and when she comes back up, she's this 400-pound evil purple troll witch, which, you know, they drew directly from the witch in the evil dead. <laughs> well, yeah. you, got, you got to remember, though, you got to remember, here's the thing is, Evil Dead 2 come out after Henrietta that's in the in the basement is actually later. So, oh, okay. Yeah. We've done this a few times where I've been like, oh, this obviously came from that, and it turns out the other one was sooner. Oh, did they have the time machine? <laughs> it, maybe so. They didn't have our time machine unless they stole it in our future and went back to our past before we knew about let's, it. Let's not confuse the listeners. They, they don't understand the concept of time. I hate time travel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. They also had the, I call them the Romero, Romero zombie hands from the mirror. Right. Uh, yes. <laughs> breaks open. The, uh, and first off, the mirror just by itself is just this great thing that every time he looks in the mirror, you're like, Yep, something's going to happen. happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And when something finally does happen, he breaks mirror and it leads to this uh, alternate universe thing. And all these zombie hands just come out and start trying to drag him in. And it's like, yeah. actually, kind of scary scene. <laughs> well, and how cool and practical yeah. is that whole sequence where he's in the, the bathroom mirror, he's looking at it. Uh, he opens it up, and there's there's medicine behind the medicine cabinet. He shuts it. He shuts it, and then he throws something through it, and there's a hole. I mean, right. it's just a different mirror. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> the way they set it up just just makes it all so believable, yeah. and it's so simple. It's such a simple effect. Well, it also you got to remember it ties into that painting that's that's you know a real focal yeah. point yeah. in the movie too. That kind of leads him to thinking about the mirror. So it's just again a very well put together movie. It, it it's it's like Mark said. It's got more thought process behind it than it should really, or you would expect it to. So I I, I love the whole break into the mirror, rappelling down, very poltergeistish to me because it's, right. it's going into that dimension and trying to find somebody and bring them back. No, I, I absolutely agree. And not to cut anybody off, I'm just going to, real quick for the listeners out there, because if you haven't seen House, you might be saying, well, you know what, what is the deal with the painting? I'm just going to say real quick, the movie's pretty simple. It's about a guy who ends up in his, his home from his childhood because his aunt killed herself there. We might not even get to that, although there are some cool scenes with it. Right. Um, his son went missing from this house years ago, and that caused his his marriage to split. And in this scene, he saw his son in a painting that his aunt did trying to get out of this mirror. So he runs to the mirror. Okay, I mean, yep. the, the reason I say this is just because if you haven't seen it, just like we're all three saying, it's a fantastic way to play out this story. And... If we don't get around to it by telling you the high points of the movie, I wanted to kind of give it that whole timeline so that when you're watching it, you can say, oh, yeah, you know, the way they rolled this out is just like they said. It's it's a it's a well-played plot. Right. I don't want to cut anything off, though. I think that, you know, just telling you the high points to look for is probably what we need to do with this movie. But because we were all pleasantly surprised with how well done this movie was, I wanted to say the plot isn't a throwaway. When right. you're watching it as the plot unfolds, you're going to say, yeah, this story is really well done. 
Yep. And and then I'll yeah. step back out to, you know, I think, Rick, was it your turn sure. to say what? Well, to, yeah. to kind of cap what Mark was saying, my next, my next reason to watch it is the closet creature. I think that thing is... Uh, it reminds me of the wall crawler that's in Hellraiser that comes down the hallway. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. kind of got that same kind of look, and to me, even Evil Dead Two kind of borrows from this creature as well. Uh, the heads being, you know, the faces and stuff being on the body of the creature, and it's like their souls trapped in there and stuff. It's just a cool. It's kind of scary. It's gross, but, but yeah. kind of entertaining in a Big Trouble in Little China kind of way. Uh, right. You know, it, it, it could fit in that movie kind of easily. But the other thing I love about it is the military antics that, that William Cat goes through when he discovers it and he puts up all the cameras and then he puts on his gear and he clicks everything on. And he runs outside and slides on his knees out front. And George Witt's going, Boy, this guy's totally lost it. <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> what you up to? One thing I loved about that scene is you know, you already know he was in the military, yet he's wearing this World War II <laughs> Army surplus gear <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> with the big goggles. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just love that whole transformation because you're seeing him start to go off the deep end even more, but to the level to where you know that things are really getting out of hand. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it, and that's a great sequence. You know, it, it's it's one of the ones that anybody who's seen the movie is going to remember vividly, because it's so bizarre. Yeah, and it, you know, it, and it's it takes up so much of the movie because it's important. It's like this closet kind of represents, I guess, the closet in the in the the whole story kind of represents the haunting that he would show somebody else. It's not personal to him. It's some monster in the closet. It's in a closet. It's got all like the the tropes of a haunting for anybody. So, you know, and that's the one he draws the neighbor in. He's he's like, hey, I want to show you this thing that I told you about in the, in the closet. And he doesn't hide it. He's not. He does hide it from some people, but not from the neighbor. He's like, oh, I got to I got to tell somebody. And George Wentz, just such a nice guy that, you know, you can just tell him about it. That's something else that I really liked about this movie was the just kind of reimagined horror cliches because right. they, they it's filled with cliches like the closet monster, uh, but they just tweak them a little. Uh Normally they have the painting that follows your the eyes follow you. In right. this, it's a swordfish on a right. wall, right? <laughs> which which we have to talk about because I mean, <laughs> if you remember, which, if you remember through the nineties, everybody was buying the little trout or bass that was on the plate that would sing "Take Me to the River." Yeah, so this was like the launch of that man. Uh, it's so it's so. And I'm I'm looking at my list and I'm convincing myself more and more that Evil Dead Two ripped this movie off big time. And I love yeah, Evil Dead too, but I'm seeing a lot of stuff here. You know, the swordfish is just like the deer head, basically, in, in Evil Dead too. Except, the, <laughs> I love the the swordfish. Uh, the swordfish <laughs> reminds me of the uh, the George Harrison video. You know, the got my mindset on you kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's got that kind of feel to it. Where uh, they're all in the yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll just jump in and I'll say, you know, I've got the monster in the closet. I've got. Uh, there's a warning from his aunt that's a really good scene where where she you know she says this house has finally got me because she because when they they start off with her she's hung and she's hanged in an upstairs room and uh and she says to him she says you know the house got to me and it'll get you too and then she jumps off the chair yeah and disappears you know with the noose around her neck that's cool and it's such a great little scene it's just it's like this ghost is telling her and it's it's a disturbing thing for him and it's also kind of it's it's pl- 
flying into his mind at this point too because it knows that he's related to her you know right. yeah and you know i'm gonna pull this and i'm gonna say that that was just a throwaway scene you should look for it's fun but i'm gonna say that movies in 80s were really scared of pools yes yeah, I mean, like you know, so he loses his kid in this in this house, you know, years back, and it caused a rift between him and his wife. And his he's looking, his kid's right there. He's looking, his kid's not there. He runs out to the street, and a car is pulling off really fast. You yeah. know, you know, clue number one about what might happen. He turns around, you know, his his wife's there. He runs to the pool and he sees his kid in the pool, and he jumps in, and his kid's not there. Right, like. It's it's all the things that you fear as a parent. You know, your your kids there, they're not did they get abducted? Did did they did they drown in the pool? And it goes in that order because it's the house trying to make its way into his mind and find out what scares him most. And when he thinks it, he sees it. Right. Yeah. And then his his son is missing until he finds him again. Yeah. Again, just clever. I mean, it, it's yeah. It's it's a better movie than it should be. <laughs> yeah. It was for all the goofy rubber monsters. Which, yeah. by, by the way, I have to say that years ago I got a I got a VHS cassette with Tremors on it, and uh, and I think the person who gave it to me said this movie has everything a movie needs: rubber monsters. <laughs> and that person was Mark Allison. <laughs> and I mean. <laughs> I stand by that review to this day. <laughs> rubber monsters, rubber man. monsters. What do you think about rubber monsters, kids? <laughs> yeah, you gotta love them. <laughs> I forgot I said that. <laughs> well, it was it was written on the VHS tape. I might have forgotten too, except for years and years, it was right there. So, yeah. <laughs> he actually wrote it on the tape. That's that's commitment right there, man. Every every time I went to watch Tremors. <laughs> Which was not all that often. <laughs> uh, screw you, Michael Gross. Uh. All right, Mark. <laughs> what do you got, man? Okay, so I was mentioning the all the supernatural threats, but one individual that does have to get its own shout out there was the very polite murder tools in the shed. Right. It's <laughs> <laughs> the, the classic scene where the the tools fly off the shelf and they threaten him and he they they fly at him, he ducks down and they all stick in the wall. <laughs> it, it, it's it's a scene you've seen over and over again in these kind of movies. But what's great is after that's over, he goes up goes into his house walks up the stairs, goes into the bathroom, closes, <laughs> locks the doors, freshens up, and you hear a little... <laughs> <laughs> he opens the door. The tools are floating right there. <laughs> Like, oh, you thought we were done. <laughs> so he locks him in the bathroom <laughs> and then uses them later to kill the, the purple witch. <laughs> you think that would just be a little throwaway scene, but no, they kept going back to these tools. Right. They were, they were so nice and polite to knock on the door like that. <laughs> uh, that's great, man. And to tie into that, one of my next reasons actually is, you know, we you keep talking about the, the witch. I call her Evil Sandy, but, you know, his, his wife shows up, she turns to the monster, he shoots her and kills her. And then... Uh, 
there's the whole scene with the cops where he's hiding the body and there's this kind of the oh no don't go in there kind of thing and he's trying to please the cops and get them to leave because he's he shot his wife it's been called you know George Went calls the cops and say hey I think he just shot his wife over here and he's trying to act all cool he's out on the front porch just cleaning his rifle cleaning the shotgun and they act like eh, no big deal hey step away from the gun yeah okay no big deal but that whole scene but going back tying into Evil Dead 2 him slicing and dicing her up and burying the body man just like Evil Dead 2 just saying with the hand and the hand (laughs) the hand just like Evil Dead 2 which brings up the number to me I'm gonna redo my list my number one reason to watch this movie is the kid mullet (laughs) you can't redo your list the kid mullet man number one reason a a two year old three year old kid with a mullet that's the that's the reason why this movie I have it right here in my notes the most terrifying thing in this movie kid's hair (laughs) okay now this whole bit does lead me into two honorable mentions I have to say first off that kid in that scene that was the cutest little boy (laughs) he was having so much fun making this movie and you can tell (laughs) and you know the difference between this being a horror movie today and a comedy horror movie in 1985 is that kid's reaction to stuff right Exactly. I mean, he cries when 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 William Cat chases him into the bathroom right. with the hand off his back, but he doesn't cry when there are two rubber monsters trying to pull him up a chimney. But to be fair, if William Cat chased me into a bathroom, I'd be crying too. Hey man, he's the greatest American hero. He's going to show you why. Believe it or not, oh! My second honorable mention, I have to say, during the scene where he's cleaning the shotgun, uh, one of the cops is played by Stephen Williams, who was. Right. Um, he was on Supernatural. He, he was, was on X Files. X Files. He was Mister X, and he was uh, uh, he was in Missing in Action Two as uh, Nestor, uh, <laughs> Chuck Norris's adversary, one of Chuck Norris's adversaries in the movie. So it's just one of those little things you you see that actor and you're like, oh yeah. I know. How, how bad of a guy have you got to be when your nemesis is named Nestor? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, and, it's and, Chuck Norris. You're going to fall short no matter where. <laughs> and the other part of that is the other cop is Alan Autry, who was in Heat of the Night TV series, yes. you know, yes. uh, Bub. So, you know, you, everybody in this is, is you've kind of seen them in other stuff. So, uh, but I, I love the whole cop scenario and, and the, you know, drinking the coffee and everybody's sitting there and you can tell everybody's just on edge. That's fun stuff, man. And, you know, I like, I, I much like a lot of people, don't have time to. Memorize actors and anthologies, and I know what I know. But and I'm not calling you out on this. I'm going to say I also have Stephen Williams because he's a distinctive looking guy. You see him, you're like, where have I seen him before? And I looked him up, and one major role he had that that we haven't mentioned here, he was one of the two highway patrol patrol officers in the Blues Brothers. Right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not saying for a minute that I, I actually I first mistook him for the guy that showed up in the Hidden. Who's also oh, yeah. in G versus E? Right. I mean, they're both black, and they're both fairly tall, lean guys. I'm not trying to be, you know, I'm not trying to say everybody looks the same to me, or all black people do. That's not what I'm saying at all. Sure. But when I saw him, that's who I mistook him for, and his, I had to look it up because his name I'm, is I'm human. Danny okay? Bennett. <laughs> I'm human. <laughs> I think my, my name is plastered on the poster for all these. If, if you have hate mail, then you can send it to PO box. I don't care, but. 
You can direct your comments to that brick wall over there. Direct your comments to that brick wall. I just, you know, at first when I saw him, I knew I had recognized him. And I really thought he was that guy because that other guy had shut up in The Hidden. I was like, oh, it's the guy from G vs. Z. And here he's here in The Hidden. And he was playing a cop. So when I saw this guy, he was like, he's playing a cop. I think I recognize him. He's that guy from G vs. Z. That was totally wrong. But he was in The Blues Brothers, and he deserves credit for that because he's great in that. He's like the deadpan highway patrol officer. Oh, I hear what you're saying. All cops look alike, huh? Yeah. Hey, you know, no cop is created equal. All cops are created equal. I don't know. Moving on. Yeah. All you got to remember, folks, is this has got a cool movie where William Cat from Americans, uh, American, uh, American Werewolf and Hero <laughs> gets pulled through a mirror like uh, like in the Motley Crue video, smoking in the boys' room, except uh, it, it's not Motley Crue. And there's a Billy Big Mouth bass, only it's a marlin. Right. And then you got the skull bat flying around that takes a shot gun away and flips it around and shoots the rope, which is just like something that would be an army of darkness. Yeah. <laughs> that, that skull bat monster was a great shot. Yeah. <laughs> For something that has no eyes, he's pretty awesome. <laughs> I want a skull bat monster for Christmas. It's my favorite new thing. I want a skull bat monster for Christmas. Rick, Rick, we need to rename the podcast Skull Bat Monster. All right, welcome to Skull Bat Monster, folks. Where the ratings don't mean anything. And when you hear a... It means we're lying. When you hear a... Because every skull that monster howls like a wolf. Or, or they go. My next reason to watch the movie is the chicken bone skull and crossbones on Maul's helmet. <laughs> Richard Mall in the past, his buddy Dave or Bob or Bruce or Ben. Ben, there you go. Skull bat monster. <laughs> he's got this. He's got this. This helmet, you know, and it's got a little tied-on chicken bones, crossbones, and then a skull drawn over it. And uh, and I, I saw that and I was like, that's a reason. And that's the whole story. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Mark, you got anything else? Um, yeah, got one more here. The entire end fight scene oh yeah where, um he he's gotten his son back uh the fight scene actually starts right before that uh he he goes into the jungle that's in his living room because you know that happens yeah. and, <laughs> and he gets his kid out of a bamboo cage yeah. in vietnam through the the window in the uh or through the mirror in the bathroom yeah. right <laughs> It's all kind of tied together now. Just while like a Motley Crue video, man. <laughs> while he's pulling him out, this very Zusha-looking shadow shows up and starts shooting at him. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> he gets his kid, gets back in the house, and they play this very upbeat, I've won the day kind of music. It's all over. And he opens the door, <laughs> and there's Big Ben there in his full skeleton outfit going, Sucker! <laughs> <laughs> and they get into this huge fight that goes all over the house. Um, he he, he chokeslams a William Cat. He, uh, he actually does his own fall down the stairs. I noticed that. So that, yeah. was, that, that was interesting. Uh, Wait, go Robert Culp. Yeah. <laughs> and it was very... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> Not that it was the greatest stunt you will ever see in movie history. Is you can kind of tell he's like, oh, don't want to hurt myself, don't want to hurt myself. <laughs> <laughs> During the fight, he actually rips off Ben's arm and starts beating him with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's true. And, Why wouldn't you? And Richard Mole just got it. He brushes his off, grabs his arm back. He's like, "What you doing?" Sticks it back on. Like, yeah, that works. Okay. <laughs> Until it all culminates into a uh, uh, spoiler alert, he he finds out. Um, spoiler. <laughs> 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 yeah, we can't really spoil anything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he finds out the ghosts really can't kill him. Uh, right. They keep trying to trick him into killing himself, and uh, once he like threatens his son, he goes towards him. He takes Ben takes a knife and looks like he cuts off Roger's hand for a second. And then Roger looks down, his hand's still there. He's like, you can't hurt me. Yeah. There's nothing you can do can hurt me. So he just takes his son back, says, I'm not afraid of you, takes a grenade, shoves it up into the rib cage. Right. And just walks out the room. Right. <laughs> I've actually got that wrote was- down. I've, I've got face your fear with a hand grenade. <laughs> <laughs> There's no better way. <laughs> I'm not going to detract from the from the fight scene uh, at all. I, I agree. It was a fantastic wrap up, you know. Uh, but but what I'm going to say is, it would be interesting to go back through this kind of like uh, uh, kind of like a Shyamalan movie and and see if he ever really gets hurt by anything there. Because ah, yeah. we know that his we know that his aunt hung herself. And, you know, so so I would I would be wondering if you know anytime she, he gets hit, you know, if there's ever any blood or anything, ah. or if it's always just when he falls down or hits a wall or like those tools they couldn't have hurt him. You know, so so I wonder if if there was there was that overt or if it was just, you know it was just kind of for fun. Hey, when he finally realizes he's his only enemy here, you know so, that would be interesting to know. Here you go, folks. This is this is big news because we are finding out right now. That M. Night Shyamalan ripped the movie off. Yeah. Uh, Evil Dead 2 ripped this movie off. Yeah. Nightmare on uh, M Street. Yeah. Well, it's actually before, though. So this might have ripped the Nightmare on M Street off. But the whole turning your back on fear, facing your fear kind of thing, you yeah. can't hurt me. When Rocky 4? Rocky 4. Rocky the 4 ripped it off. Uh huh. And, and uh, you got. What, the, the series? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Batman Forever. That animated Beowulf that came out, the Notebook, the the Notebook, the 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 Black Book, <laughs> the Phone Book, Fifty Shades of Grady, Facebook, <laughs> FaceTime, FaceTime, WikiTime, Continuum. Can we get a hail man? Hail man. All I've got for the wrap up of this movie is. It's, it's three things. It says, beat the bad guy, feel good ending, freeze frame. Oh, yeah. It ends on a freeze frame, y'all. It's the 80s, folks. He's like, he's like, oh, my my, my son, my, my wife pulls up, the son runs to her, mommy. He's standing on the, the porch. The house behind him's on fire. He smiles. <laughs> freeze frame. I think so many movies in the 80s ended on a freeze frame because you really didn't want to see what happened next. Right. <laughs> no. It's, it's like, and speaking of what happened next, House 2? That's right. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Okay. We'll, we'll get into that later. But yeah. So house t- 2, just leave it there. Yeah, leave it right there because we got to go into Type 5 Lines. Type 5 Lines. Yay. 
All right. theme song in history. I just got to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. You know, you, catchy. you pay kids, they come in, do the work, and you throw it in the show. So That's totally legal, by the way. <laughs> All right, I'll kick it <laughs> off. Any taxes on something. <laughs> <laughs> I'll kick it off. Uh, this is where Aunt Elizabeth is talking to Sandy. And uh, she says, it's talking about when the kid's you know, missing in the pool or whatever, and she's like, will you shut up for once? Will you just shut up, you old bat? And then she goes, touchy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mark, you want to... Go ahead. Go okay. ahead. We're going to do... Maybe we'll do more than five lines here. We're going to try and slim it down to five lines overall. Right. But... Okay. There's going to be a lot of editing here. We got to uh, guess. <laughs> All uh, rules are off. Mine comes from Ben after he... Uh, he shot up the house with his M60, and uh, he says, Damn, come back from the grave and ran out of ammo. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, my, my line, uh, uh, primarily my lines came from George Went, but I've got a, uh, uh, William Katz moved in, and he's meeting his neighbor, and he says, uh, he says I'm your new neighbor. And, and, and George Went says, Great. To ha- it's great to have a new neighbor. A uh, woman before you was nuts. Crazy as under the sun senile old hag wouldn't be surprised if someone offed her and then William Gatt says she was my aunt he says heart of gold though (laughs) (laughs) yeah that is good this came from uh, he's watching his wife's soap opera and the soap opera's co-star in the background you could hear him say I can't hide the fact that I've been a male prostitute most of my life Oh, that's a great line. I had to rewind that three times just to make sure I heard it. It is that kind of attention to the detail that that we appreciate here, Mark. That's right. Uh, my, my next line is again from George Went, again about Aunt Elizabeth. He says, no offense, Roger, but your aunt was Looney Tunes. It's on my list. Yeah, yeah. I, and again, it's it's his delivery. He's just so he's like, look, man, I'm not trying to piss you off, but your dead aunt that you just came here to stay in her house, who raised you, yeah, she was she was crazy. When the delivery boy shows up and finds the the aunt uh, had killed herself, he says, "Miss Hooper, it's me, delivery boy." <laughs> As if that is his name. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you think it might say, uh, person receiving groceries? I'm delivery boy. <laughs> Not the delivery boy. He's just delivery just delivery boy. boy. <laughs> uh, Maybe I that is that, his that name. Points, I think that points to a, uh, a screenwriter who worked primarily in porn. <laughs> yeah, delivery boy. <laughs> I'm delivery boy. <laughs> I hope you're ready for the package. Damn <laughs> Why does everything lead back to porn? <laughs> I'm sorry. To all you families out there, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And of course, the number one line in this movie is when William Cat is talking to Richard Mull, and he says, Are you going to finish off that goulash? Oh! oh. <laughs> That's it for Top 5 Lines! Top 5 Lines! Top 5 Lines! Yay! <laughs>
since it's a horror story, they have to add the word ghoul in there. So goulash. <laughs> it's, hard to, it's hard to watch a dude who has like a disjointed, like rotted jaw eat goulash, too. That's that's <laughs> almost as horrific as that kid's haircut. And that is a lesson for life there. <laughs> we got a new segment here we're going to break into, and it's called What Did We Learn? Based off the movie we watched for this show. And what did I learn from this movie? Is you never shoot your wife, no matter how ugly she becomes. That's that's good advice. Uh, what I learned is that if you're ever being haunted in a haunted house by ghosts or tools or anything, don't worry about it. They can't hurt you. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I learned always respect your tools. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if they, and if they fly off the wall, you say, "Come at me, bro," because they can't hurt you anyway. <laughs> Come at me, bro. <laughs> So, so like the tools flying around. I mentioned it to, to Mark earlier. It made me think of uh, that episode of Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, Hell Half Fury, right? Where his friend Doctor Sanchez is like, "Sorry, can't help now. I'm pinned down by a stapler." Uh, we'll have to de- definitely do Garth Marenghi oh, pretty man. soon. Man. When we get to TV shows, it's going to be Darth Gar- Darth Marenghi. <laughs> Darth Marenghi. <laughs> It's going to be Garth Marenghi, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be G versus Z. Absolutely, I'm going to be a happy camper. That's right. When you get to Buck Rogers, invite me back because I want to be part of that. Absolutely, I'm I'm all game about that. So up next is rating time, time. Time. All right, I'm going to give this movie 17 singing swordfish. Take me to the river. <laughs> I did have in my notes that they invented the Billy Big Mouth Bass. I, I, but same thought there. I am going to have to give this movie three solid four-year-old mullets from the eighties. <laughs> Nothing scarier than that, people, or more comedic. And let's see. I think I will give it. Ten amazingly good shot flying skull bat monsters. Absolutely. Skull bat monster. <laughs> skull bat monster. I feel the commercial coming on for that one. <laughs> oh, man. I got to write it down. Yeah. Skull bat monster on the loose. I could also give it 17 big bowls of goulash. All right, folks. We'll be right back. Tonight on U62, when garden tools attack. You're never safe from what lurks in your tool shed. Hedge clippers. <laughs> sling blades. Even weed eaters. <laughs> Watch out for that hoe. Who are you calling a hoe, hoe? When Garden Tools Attack, tonight at 7, only on U62. Immediately following the Helming Power Hour. Television worth watching. Here at the Hail Ming Power Hour, we've been working hard with our music partner, Ralph Mouth Records, to bring new songs from beloved artists. This week, we are proud to present a song about the film House. From the late 70s to mid-80s band from the UK, Madness. Take it away, Madness.
writing novels, signing books while Auntie hangs herself upstairs. Delivery boy is bringing eggs. Caesar hanging in her room, he can't hang around. Ghost house, haunting after William Cat. Ghost house, Norm's your neighbor, how about that? So his house, it took his son. One minute playing with some trucks, then next he's up and gone. Then our hero's all alone. He didn't find his jack just now, cause it isn't Vietnam. Ghost house, haunts the author of the book. Ghost house, ain't so bad you have to look. Ghost house, Big's big Ben back from the dead. Ghost house, something is wrong with his head. That's Ralph Mouth Records. Music you can taste. And now, did you know? With Ross Perot. All right, now, now, now. Hello, my name is Ross Perot, and here's the deal, all right? I'm here to tell you about some things about the movie House. Did you know, according to Fred Decker, the script was originally inspired by Twilight Zone the movie, all right? Now, after seeing that film, Decker and his friends, which included Ethan Wiley, Steve Miner, and Shane Black, planned to make their own independent anthology movie on video. But the project was never completed, all right? Are you listening to me? Decker used the idea for his unproduced segment for this film. Did, did, did you know that uh, Glenn Close and Sigourney Weaver were considered for the female lead role that Kay Lentz landed? Yeah. Now, now listen to me, all right? I'm not going to lie to you, all right? Did, did you know that Alan Autry played cop number three in the house? He later went on to play another cop, Captain Bubba Skinner, in the TV series In the Heat of the Night. Are you listening to me? Uh, are you listening? You're not listening to a word I'm saying. Did, did I just start speaking Portuguese up here and didn't know it? I'm trying to tell you about the movie House, all right? Not the TV show House with the doctor. Not Last House on the left. House at the end of the street. House of a thousand corpses. House of cards or Little House on the Prairie. So can I finish? Can I finish? Thank you. Did you know Sean S. Cunningham, the producer... Produced the Friday the 13th movies. And Harry Manfredini also wrote the music for this and the Friday the 13th movies as well. Did you know that Kane Hodder, who is the stunt coordinator for the film, is known to horror fans as the one who played the icon Jason Voorhees more than anyone else? Did you know director Steve Miner also directed Friday the 13th Part 2 back in 81? He was the first to actually feature Jason in that film. And in Friday the 13th Part 3, 1982, he was the first to feature that famous hockey mask. You've been listening to Did You Know with Ross Perot on the Hell Ming Power Hour. Now, did you know the skeleton Big Ben is like a crazy aunt down in the basement that nobody is paying attention to her? And she's just getting onrier and stinkier. I say take her out, hose her down, and slap her around a little bit. That'll calm things down. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, folks, that's going to do it for us, man. We can't say it enough. I think you have to go back and revisit House, man. I really had a blast going back and checking this movie out, and I'm pretty sure my buddies did, too. What did y'all think? Man, House, uh, we were just talking about it off air. Um, it is a better movie than it should be, maybe. Right. Like, uh, around the middle of the movie, I realized the way this this plot is shaping up, you know, the the story and the, and the effects and everything, this makes it a movie that... It's surprisingly good. If you want a good afternoon of fun, just you know, grab your favorite snack, sit down, and watch House. This is just a fun time. <laughs> I totally enjoy. I totally enjoy it too, man. I, it really surprised me. It's it's a great trip back into time. Tons of eighty stuff, like like Danny was saying earlier. It it is a actual time piece of that time period, and it hits so many marks that that we think of when we think of the eighties. So, uh, man. Just check it out for sure. With that being said, another thing you should check out is the Helming Power Hour on iTunes. Because if you show some love for us, it just makes our show grow. If you'll take the time to go to iTunes, subscribe to the show, give us a star rating as well and a review, then that just really helps us out to grow and reach more people. And that's the whole goal of this show, is to be able to reach the masses and and, uh, deteriorate their minds as well. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and it's. I agree that you need to go on there and subscribe. And and I also, you, know, our goal is not to, you know, become independently wealthy. I've said it before. It would be great if this was my job. I'd do a better job at it if it were my job. But yeah, maybe. Um. Yeah. Well, I would. <laughs> Until I figured out how to not. But I, I I agree. And we're we're on SoundCloud. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. All of your apps that play podcasts, we're, we're kind of everywhere now. So just uh, join in. That helps us a lot. But may, more than anything, leaving us a review on iTunes does more for the show than anything else. So, And like we said, check out Legion Podcast. Check out all the cool shows over there. There's a lot of great stuff going on. And we are proud members of Legion Podcast. Lots of cool stuff. Our brother's Duncan's on there all the time, cranking out new stuff. Uh, just a little shout out to him because I haven't talked to him in a while. But uh, check I would out- say he doesn't sleep, but I found out what his secret was. He talks in his sleep, and he just puts a microphone over his yeah, bed. That probably works, yep. So, Duncan, we miss you, man. Again, we are so happy to have Mark with us, man. It's been a blast, buddy, to have you on the show, man. It, it, you keep us cracked up just like always. Thank you guys for having me. It's been a, so much fun, and you have made me individually wealthy in my heart. <gasps> Lordy mercy. <laughs> I know. But, but... <laughs> Thank you, Shut kids. up, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Don't steal my accolades, man. <laughs> Dude, your All accolades. right. Yeah, my accolades. <laughs> so, for Skullbat Monster, I'm Rick. And I'm Danny. And, and we'll I s- help. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see you next time, folks. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Sometimes there are forces at work against you. They take away what you love and try to make you give up hope. Find hope wherever you can. A friendly neighbor, a loving spouse, a loaded shotgun. Just remember, a ghost will try to wear you down to scare you, but it can't harm you. Just to be safe, if a big dude comes after you with a knife and a machine gun, you should probably run. Well, good night, everybody. And remember, actions speak louder than catchphrases.
members of the audience will receive the following. Classic Curves by Biddos, the pants for feel-good company. A gift certificate from Maru-Chan Ramen Noodles. Rice-A-Roni. All guests receive a copy of the El Ming Home Game. Thanks to the creative minds and special appearances of Mark Allison, Jeremy Finch, and Jacob Kennedy. Hell Bing is a proud member of Legion Podcasts. Check out all the great shows at legionpodcast.com. Hell Bing is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Legion Podcast. This is Dan Pardo saying good night. I took this memory class and it was called, um, uh, they, they taught me word association. What? What is that flower? Um, it's got a red bowl at the top and a long green stem. It's a rose. That's it. Rose, what's the name of that memory class I've been taking? Hell, <laughs> <laughs> man. That's going in the show. Go. <laughs> <laughs>